0: Think about your life. Every day you wake up and fight to live in freedom and against fear. But Christ has already won the battle for our freedom. We didn't earn it. The battle was won when Jesus died on the cross. We don't deserve it. He gives us grace because of his great love for us. And our freedom was secured when Christ rose from the dead. The grace of God gives us freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom to live the life he calls us to. We aren't saved by trying harder. We aren't saved by trying to be good. Only Jesus can save us and set us free. So enjoy God's gift of grace in your life. Be at peace and live in freedom. I want to welcome our Sugarland campus and our Missouri City campus Together, I love it when we have the opportunity to be together as one church, and we do this morning, and so I welcome both of our campuses. We've been going through the book of Galatians together. It is a series about how to live in freedom. And we have arrived at the last message of this series. I want you to know that Pastor Juan Carlos Heredia and Pastor Liban Abraham have helped me in this series. They have actually done the background work for five of the messages, and they took us so much deeper than I would have been able to do by myself. And I just want to say thank you to these two men. They are amazingly brilliant, both of them. They are great pastors, and they are two of the best preachers in America, and I want us to say that we love them. Just give them a hand. One of the things that we've talked about all the way through the book of Galatians is this one abiding thing that Paul keeps talking about in chapter 1 and 2 and 3 all the way to chapter 6, and in fact, every passage in every chapter, Paul keeps saying exactly the same thing over and over again, and it's this idea. We are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else that we do. Now, by faith, he's talking about also, he's talking about repentance of our sin, especially rebellion against God. He's talking about commitment of our heart to Christ. All of that is wrapped up in that word faith, but we are saved by faith in Christ alone and not all of our good deeds. We've talked about that this whole series and I hope that you have grabbed it, and I hope that you live with this the rest of your life. Because all of our life, the world is pulling us to the idea that we save ourselves. Every one of the man made religions in the world all have that as one of its tenets that we save ourselves. But we can't do that. We can never be good enough to ever earn our way into the perfected presence of God Himself. You and I cannot do that. We need a Savior, and that is why Jesus came. He came to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He came and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. I've heard Christians even who've said, well, that is such a good guy, he must be in heaven. But the truth is, good people don't go to heaven, only saved people go to heaven. And we need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. I've heard so many people along the way who have made statements like, well, what the real problem is with humanity is this or that or something else. Like, for instance, the real problem with humanity is a lack of self-esteem or a lack of education or a lack of equal opportunity. Well, I believe in all three of those things and a hundred other things as well. I don't mean to diminish any of those, but none of those are the problem, the key problem with humanity. The key problem with humanity is sin. That sin has separated us from God. That sin has destroyed so many people's lives and what we need to be is rescued from sin. And that is why Jesus came. It's the purpose, it's the reason for the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the last message in the book of Galatians, and it's just one verse. It is Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, and notice what it says, "'May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ.'" through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says if we're ever going to brag about anything, make sure we're bragging about the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. And the very first point that I want to make is this. Be proud of your Savior who died on that cross. It is not the cross that made Jesus special. It is Jesus that made the cross special. Did you know that in the first century in the Roman Empire, the Roman government crucified 30,000 Jewish men? 30,000? Jewish men, they crucified, and we don't know the names of 29,999 of them. We only know the name of one man they crucified, and the only reason we know his name is is because death could not hold him. He rose from the grave and demonstrated with his resurrection that everything he had said about himself and about God and about us was absolutely true and demonstrated the fact that he is the Savior of the world. We call him Jesus. He is Jesus the Christ. The word Christ simply means the promised one, the Messiah, the Holy One of God. So how do we know that? What does that mean? Well, I'm going to ask 11-year-old Jack Stockton, to help explain it to us. Watch this video.
1: In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, He is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, He is our high priest. In Numbers, He is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, He is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, He is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, He is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our ever living redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he is our loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. Jeremiah, he's our righteous branch. In Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, is the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in life's fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he's our burden bear. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger of beautiful feet. Nahum, he is the avenger of God's way. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist, crying, Revive thy works in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is our savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain, opened up in the house of David for sin and uncleanliness. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Matthew, he is the king of the Jews, and Mark he is the servant, and Luke he is the son of man, feeling what you feel, and John is the son of God, in Acts, he is the savior of the world, in Romans, he is the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he is the rock followed the German. In 2 Corinthians, he is the triumphant one, giving victory. In Galatians, he is your liberty, he set you free. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is your joy. In Colossians, he is your completeness. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he is your hope. In 1st Timothy, he is your faith. In 2nd Timothy, he is your stability. In Philemon, he is your benefactor. In Titus, he is truth. In Hebrews, he is your perfection. In James, he is the power behind your faith. In 1st Peter, he is your example. In 2nd Peter, he is your purity. In 1st John, he is your life. In 2nd John, he is your pattern. In 3rd John, he is your motivation. In Jude, he is the foundation of your faith. In Revelation, he is your coming king. He is the first and the last, beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and he's pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He is risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand him, the armies can't defeat him, schools can't explain him, and the leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him, Pharisees couldn't confuse him, the people couldn't hold him, Nero couldn't crush him, Hitler couldn't silence him, the new age can't replace him, and Oprah can't explain him away. He is life, love, longevity, and more. He is goodness, He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging, and His mind is on me. He is my Redeemer. He is my Savior. He is my guide. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my comfort. He is my Lord, and He rules my life.
0: Do I hear an amen? Amen. Now, I want you to say out loud with me the words of this hymn. Would you do it with me? We're going to say it together. Here we go. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels' prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Go ahead and brag about the cross of Jesus Christ. There is a second thing I want to share with you today. Be proud of the purpose accomplished on the cross. If the Bible says anything to us, it says to us that God had a unique purpose for sending His Son to that cross. It was Peter who said in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 23, Jesus was crucified by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God. God had a purpose in bringing Jesus Christ. And one of the things that God had in his mind was simply this. The cross demonstrates the love of God for us. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The cross is all we will ever need to be assured that God loves us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For so long, I struggled with the word demonstrates. And the reason is because it's in the present tense. And I never could understand, why is it that he used the present tense, demonstrates, when all the verbs around that word were all in past tense. It sort of bugged me, you know, for a while of, why did he use the word demonstrated instead of demonstrates? And then one day, I got it. The truth is, all of us, from time to time, need to be reassured of the love of God for us. Life is hard. We suffer injustices. We we experience heartaches and heartbreaks in our life. And, And sometimes we look at how life is unfolding, we begin to wonder, does God still love me? We see the sins that we seem to do over and over, and there is a moment in time we stop and say, Can God still love me when our businesses are struggling and when someone close to us dies and when we're experiencing illness and pain? Does God still love me? Where is the love of God in all the problems that I'm going through and all the struggles that I'm experiencing? Does God still love me? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, if God was willing to sacrifice his own son, don't you know that he will willingly then give you everything you need? God says to us, I don't always give it to you the way you prefer. I don't always do it the way you want me to do it, but I love you so much, and I know what's coming in your life. Trust me. I love you. I care for you. And how can you know for sure? Go back to the cross. The cross is the greatest demonstration of the love of God. Just go back to the cross. One man put it this way, it was at the cross that man did his worst to God, but God did his best for man. So go ahead and brag about the cross of Jesus Christ. Second of all, at the cross of Jesus, the Old Testament law of God was completed. Paul has been teaching us this all through this book. Over and over, Paul compares the law of God in the Old Testament to the grace of God through Christ in the New Testament. And over and over, Paul taught us in the book of Galatians that the law was only to be temporary. It was was only to be a bridge between Abraham and the cross of Jesus Christ, that we are under grace now not under law we're not to follow the law as though somehow the law would save us we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone and nothing else we do it is the grace of God that we now live under Jesus Christ died on the cross To save us from our sin. It's the law of God in Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20 that says, The soul who sins, it shall die. And then in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The soul that sins, it shall die. Well, all of us are sinners. And in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, The wages of our sin is death. But that's not all that Romans 6.23 says. Romans 6.23 says the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There was only two options. Either everyone had to die for their own sin. Or one person died for the sins of everyone else. That's what he's saying in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I owed a debt I could not pay. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. And it's because of his death on the cross that you and I can now live. God took your and my sin and he laid our sin on Jesus on the cross. And then he took the righteousness of Jesus and he laid the righteousness of Jesus on you and I. And that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, for God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that we in him might have the righteousness of God. You and I are declared righteous before a holy God even though we're sinners because Jesus Christ on that cross died for our sins and carried our sins to the grave and gave to us his own righteousness. Go ahead and brag about the cross of Jesus Christ. But third of all, at the cross of Jesus, our eternal destiny and purpose was forever determined. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9, God showed us how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. One day you're going to hear that Mark Hartman is dead. Don't believe a word of it. Because the truth is, I can't ever die. How in the world could you make a statement like that? Because of what Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, though he even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. My body will one day die, and so will yours. But who we are, our personality, our personhood, Our soul and our spirit at the very moment that our body dies, we come up out of that dead body fully alive, fully us, fully knowing who we are, fully understanding the situation that we now find ourselves in and transported immediately into the presence of God himself. And when we arrive in heaven, there will be a reunion like Thanksgiving could never know. When we get to heaven, all those people that we knew that went, that died, their body died, and they went to be with the Lord, there they will be. And they will be there called. I believe the call goes out all over heaven. All those people that know you when you arrive, and there they are. And there will be shouting, and there will be laughter, and there will be hugging in that moment. There will be a great reunion. But before that reunion happens you and I will be ushered into the presence of Jesus himself. And we will see him. And I think we'll get to hug him, and he will hug us. And we will get the privilege of saying thank you to the one who made heaven possible for us. But between then, and now. What's the purpose of our life? The purpose of our life is love. We are to live out our lives loving the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and strength. We are to live out our lives loving God. And the second, Jesus said, is like the first, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. The whole purpose of life, Jesus taught us, was to love the Lord our God and to love others in our lives. It's love. To love God, it is to praise Him and adore Him and to express your appreciation to Him. How long has it been since you told God you love Him? It is to obey Him and learn how to walk with Him. It's the purpose of life. And it is to love each other, love our neighbors as ourselves. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, And He died for all. Who did He die for? He died for all. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Our purpose is to live a life of love for God and for each other. And it was the cross that made that possible. So go ahead and brag about the cross of Jesus Christ. There is a third point I want to make, and it's simply this. Be proud of the power given by the cross. Galatians 6.14, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. The Bible says, Paul talking in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not yet not I, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To be crucified with Christ simply means that I lay aside my love for this world and my love for this world's standards and my love for this world's things and I Totally give my heart to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I love you and I follow you. And you know what? The moment that that happens, you remember what Jesus said? That if you love me, the world will hate you because the world hated me. And Paul is simply saying, I've made my decision. This is how I will live my life. Alexander Sojenitsyn, Alexander Sojenitsyn, this is a picture of Alexander, was a great godly Christian man. He died in 2008, but in the last part of 1980s and the beginning of 1990s, he was in a Russian concentration camp, prison for no other reason but his commitment to Jesus Christ. And every day in that prison, every single day in that prison. He got up at the break of dawn and, when he, and he was finished when the sun went down. And he worked all day long back breaking labor and slow starvation every day that he was in that prison camp. Seven days a week. From sunup to sundown. And one day, he just got tired of it. He said, today, I'm dying. I can't take this anymore. I don't want to live. I don't have anything to live for. And he threw down his shovel. He sat on the bench nearby. And he knew that by sitting on the bench, that the guard would kill him and he wanted that to happen. He sat on the bench, he bowed his head, and waited for death to come. But in a few moments, he felt a presence over his shoulder, and he looked up, and it was an old man that was one of the prisoners there who had been there before Alexander arrived, and that old man just wrinkles deep, crevices in his in his face. Didn't say a word. He just took a stick. And at the feet of Alexander, he just scratched out a cross and walked away. Alexander said he was bent over looking at that cross. And he said, it was sort of a a moment of hearing the voice of God, a a moment of a renewed sense of purpose in my heart as God whispered in my heart, the reason I have you in this prison is to be leading these prisoners to Christ. And Alexander said, I realized I didn't want to die today. I've got a purpose for being here. And he said he got up from that bench, he went and took his shovel, and he kept right on working. And he said the next day when he woke up, he woke up with a whole different attitude. And all day long he was thinking, who can I talk to? Who can I share Christ with? And and, and the right moment I'll, I'll share Jesus with that prisoner and then the next prisoner. But what Alexander didn't know. See, this was early 1991. What Alexander didn't know is that in the latter part of 1991, the Soviet Union would crumble and all these prisoners would be released. And at the end of 1991, he got to go home to his wife. When the Soviet Union fell apart at the end of 1991, the people in Russia rose up in rebellion, and they they went to all of those statues of all of those communist leaders. They were all over the place, and they went to one statue after another, and they they began to, to break down the, the statues of those people who were supposed to be heroes who they felt like were terrible human beings. And one of those was the head of the KGB, who is the secret police, and this is that image. And they didn't break the stand down, but they got up there and they knocked down that statue and they broke it into pieces. And then they erected something else on that base. And do you know what they erected? Take a look at this next picture. Today, today, you go to Russia, that's exactly what you'll see right there, the cross of Jesus Christ Christ. The only hope that people have that you and I know who are hurting and, and, and going through such struggle and in this hateful world is the cross. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to ask on both campuses, I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now and I want us to say the words of this hymn. And I want you to say it as though you were saying it to Jesus Christ himself. I mean with volume. I mean with with emotion. I want you to speak out these words from this hymn. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's do it together. When I survey the wondrous cross, where the young prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and poor contempt On all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Amen and amen. Go ahead and boast about the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you committed your heart by faith to him? You can do that today. You can give your heart to Jesus Christ today. Would you do it? Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross who left heaven's glory, who took on human flesh, who went through all the struggles and the difficulties and the problems we experience, who was tempted with all the sins that we're tempted with, and yet without sin. We thank you, Father, for the death of Jesus on that cross, for us dying in our place, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ alone. Father, may today, on both campuses, may today, many come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.